Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. It is good to be back with you this afternoon. Let's pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you this day and always. Amen. Amen. Up to and including this past week, our Enfield Uniting Care Emergency Relief Centre has given out 215 food parcels for the year and fed somewhere between 30 and 40 people a week at Astivo's drop-in centre. Of the number of food parcels we have given out, about one-fifth are to people new to our service. So nearly every week we have a handful of new people coming through our doors needing assistance. We've also completely blown our budget as needs and expenses have well exceeded the money we had allocated to this ministry. And this is only a drop in the bucket of the needs of our community. We have a larger emergency relief centre on the Lefevre Peninsula that gives out somewhere around 200 food parcels a week. This growth in need is indicative of the squeeze many are facing with the cost of living crisis that we hear so much about and for many are likely living through ourselves. Times are tough and they are tough across the world. The World Bank indicates that somewhere in the order of 18% of the world's population lives in what they call multi-dimensional poverty. That is poverty where deprivation includes money, education and basic infrastructure services, including adequate access to healthcare, electricity or even running water. Monetary poverty is defined as living on less than $2.15 per day and accounts for about 9.2% of the world's population. It's accepted that this figure is somewhat arbitrary and that many living on more than that amount are still living in extreme poverty, poverty depending on their circumstances, particularly if they're living in urban areas where the cost of living is generally higher. And as far as healthcare goes, in the order of 30,000 children worldwide die every day of hunger and preventable diseases. Doesn't that make you want to cry? And over 180 million people die unnecessarily each year from diseases for which there are cures. Now those who know me know that I'm not actually really a numbers person. But just this brief look at some of these statistics associated with poverty paints a picture of great need in our community and in our world. And the story of poverty is much, much more than statistics though. These are stories of real people and it might include your story. Mother Teresa is known to have said, it's very fashionable to talk about the poor Unfortunately, it's not so fashionable to talk to the poor. 
Yet this is what we need to be doing. We need to be listening. We need to be hearing their stories. And I am so privileged to be able to do that in this place. And I repeatedly hear stories of generational unemployment, generational addiction, both drugs and alcohol, often simultaneously, generational trauma, generational violence, generational untreated mental illness, generational incarceration, significant racism and prejudice experienced by refugees, immigrants or anyone who looks or speaks differently the effect of work-related injuries, disconnection with the education system, family breakdown, death, divorce, and the list can go on. And these are just the stories of those who are literally on our doorstep or our back bench in that corner or who have shared a meal with us in this very space. Now, to be completely honest, I don't fully understand all of this. I'm educated, I'm middle to upper class, I'm white. My only disadvantage potentially is being female. That would be the one thing working against me. Life is not perfect. I grew up on a poor farm, but I grew up in a loving home and I have one for myself now. And I've been able to navigate those curveballs that life has thrown at me and live very comfortably. But I understand that that's not the experience of everyone. Death, illness, illiteracy, accident, trauma, any number of things have created situations of poverty for so many who are unable to access the support they needed during those times and which then unfortunately began a spiral of poverty that becomes almost impossible to climb out of. What I have come to learn though is that despite my lack of experience, God has a heart for the poor. Yes. And so in obedience, so do I. In being authentic, compassionate, available, a listener, we can all be present and available in ways we might not have expected. The Bible itself is full of concern for the poor. In fact, I have one more statistic for you. There are about 2,000 verses in the Bible that relate to poverty and injustice. A remarkable confession relating to this statistic was made by Rick Warren. Some may remember him as, the pastor, as a pastor and author of The Purpose Driven Life when he was experiencing the poverty of Africa. Around this time, Warren says, I was driven to re-examine scripture with new eyes. What I found humbled me. I found those 2,000 verses on the poor. How did I miss that? I went to Bible college, two seminaries, and I got a doctorate. How did I miss God's compassion for the poor? I was not seeing all the purposes of God. The church is the body of Christ. The hands and feet have been amputated and we're a big mouth, known more for what we are against. I found myself praying, God, would you use me to reattach the hands and feet to the body of Christ so that the whole church cares about the whole gospel in a whole new way through the local church. To some extent, that has become my prayer 
I moved from a congregation of lawyers, doctors and judges here to Enfield just over four years ago. Not only did I move across town, but I certainly moved demographics. And I am so very grateful. Grateful to meet these people I have come to deeply love and to be able to talk with those who are doing it tough. Grateful to be practical hands and feet. And alongside this challenge to bring the whole church on this journey too. A journey of meeting both practical and spiritual needs of the poor and disenfranchised. Now, you might be pleased to know that we're not going to look at all 2,000 Bible verses that address the poor right now. But there are some significant words and themes worth exploring. Now, my Hebrew is as good as non-existent, but there are some key words worth noting as there are no less than nine main words for oppression woven throughout the Old Testament. Because of the slavery of the Hebrews and God's concern for them, these words need some degree of reflection if we really want to understand poverty. So I think if we could have that first slide, thank you. I'm not even going to try to pronounce these words because chances are I will say them wrong. So just have a look. A-N-A-H, anah, something like that probably. And in Genesis 15:13, God said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. That word has to do with the tyranny of the powerful, the degradation of people, and even the violent sexual exploitation of women. Our second word, Micah 2, 1-2 says, Alas for those who devise wickedness and evil deeds in their beds. When morning dawns, they perform it because it is in their power. They covet the fields and seize them, houses and take them away. They oppress householder and house people and their inheritance. So because the people have no authority, their fields, savings, capital, and even homes are taken in violent and unjust ways without recourse. Number three, in Exodus chapter three, verses nine and 10, God tells Moses, the cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The Egyptians are crushing the Hebrews. God hears their cries and wants to respond by freeing them. This is about a lack of freedom from grinding injustice. Number four, in Isaiah chapter three, verses five to six, the prophet says, the people will be oppressed, everyone by another and everyone by a neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder and the base to the honorable. This word is used to describe the forces of labor, exploitation and oppression. Number five, in Ezekiel 45, eight, we read, and my princes shall no longer oppress my people. And again, this word is about oppression and violence against those who are not in a position to defend themselves. Number six, 
Job chapter 20, 19 says, for they have crushed and abandoned the poor. They have seized a house that they did not build. This is the crushing, isolating, and despoiling the poor, including them bare and take, including stripping them bare and taking their homes. Number seven, Psalm 94, five to seven says, they crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the stranger. They murder the orphan and they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. In arrogance, the powerful crush God's people, oppressing them, killing the most vulnerable, and falsely believing that God does not see. But God does see, and God will act. Number eight, Psalm 74, 21. Do not let the downtrodden be put to shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. This word is about treading upon the heads of the poor and oppressing and putting down the needy. And then finally, number nine. Psalm 10, verse seven says, their mouths are filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under their tongues are mischief and iniquity. And this word is about the powerful causing violent injury to those who are helpless. So what might be some of the common themes that we are seeing and hearing? We're hearing about oppression, power, being crushed, slavery, injustice, and destitution. And who are we hearing this is predominantly happening to? It's the slaves, the widows, the orphans, the aliens or refugees, the poor. And these themes continue throughout the Old Testament in the law, the prophets, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And the cynic, maybe it's the realist in me, would say not much has changed since Old Testament times, as many of these groups of people that we have just listed, along with other vulnerable ones, continue to be subjected to similar sinister circumstances in our day and age. And from biblical times, laws were put in place to help alleviate the po poverty of the vulnerable. We see that in the Mosaic Jubilee laws, where a whole range of community laws exist to protect the weakest in society and to restrain the most powerful. We also see it in the Ten Commandments. While the first commandments were to ensure the Hebrews stayed close to the living God, to love God with their whole being, the second concern of the laws was to restrain the powerful and protect those who are the weakest among them so all could live in health and peace. That is, to love our neighbours. So even through this brief overview of the Old Testament, it's very clear that the very character of God is about care for the poor. God is the God who upholds the cause of the oppressed, who provides for the poor and liberates the prisoner. God sustains the marginalized and the vulnerable. God is the God of justice who opposes those who perpetuate injustice and sides with the victims of oppression. And the character of God is ultimately revealed in the person of Jesus, 
the one who moved into the neighborhood by coming to earth. In Jesus' life and ministry, he showed concern for the poor. In his opening speech in the temple, as he unfurls the scroll, Jesus proclaims, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He responded to the needy with compassionate action. He told the rich man that he had to give everything to the poor if he wanted to follow him, warning it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus offered acceptance to the marginalised, expressing the grace of God in his table fellowship with those deemed sinners. The poor were drawn to him just as the religious leaders were repelled by him. And then finally and ultimately in his death, Jesus gave us a model of love that we should extend to those in need. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in them? If the poor are at the heart of God, profoundly demonstrated through the life of Jesus, and as the Bible proclaims, what do we truly understand by poor? While poor may be defined as a lack of money or material things, it really is a much deeper issue than that. We need to understand that poverty is far more psychological and social than just material things, and can include things like shame, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, fear, hopelessness, depression, social isolation, and voicelessness. Poverty is about the lack of confidence and perceived skills and belief that people can use what they have for the community's good. Poverty also has a deeply spiritual aspect too. The biblical understanding of poverty is not just about destitution, it's also by nature a lack of ability to live as God intends. It's a lack of freedom to choose God's shalom, God's peace, God's wholeness to live a meaningful life. Being made in God's image, human beings are inherently relational. In the beginning, God established four foundational relationships for each person, a relationship with God, a relationship with self, a relationship with others, and a relationship with the whole of creation. And these relationships are the building blocks for all life. When they are functioning properly, humans experience the fullness of life that God intended because we are being what God created us to be and people are able to fulfill their callings of glorifying God by working and supporting themselves and their families with the fruit of this work. Poverty is the re result of relationships that for whatever reason do not work, that are not just, that are not for life, that are not harmonious or enjoyable. 
Poverty is the absence of shalom in all its meanings, and it distorts our images as children of God. I see and hear this firsthand so very often. Recently, I was having a conversation with two of our regulars. It was very obvious that they were quite down this particular day. They both have histories of drug use and incarceration and still struggle to escape the consequences of their life's choices. They told me this day that they were considering returning to drug dealing because, and I quote, it's all they know how to do and it gets them talking to people and out of the house. My heart broke. This is not the life God wants for them. It's not the life I want for them. We talked for about half an hour around this and it became very apparent that they were at a loose end and looking for a purpose in life. Both of these people were in their early 60s with minimal education and they felt that their options for contributing to society were few and far between. We couldn't readily come up with alternatives for them to fill this need other than for me to try to convince them that they were loved, were valuable and were needed. Now I have a long-term friendship with these people and in the end I literally begged and pleaded, saying that if they were going to go through with this I would just be devastated. So please, please, please don't do anything stupid until we speak again the following week. And that was enough. It didn't come to pass but it demonstrated just how warped our sense of need and belonging sometimes can be when we're feeling at rock bottom. And I felt hopeless. I can only imagine what they might have been feeling themselves. What I experience time and time again is the need for God to break into these situations, to break those chains and things that bind people in their poverty to break the institutions and power that keep people in this place of poverty too. I pray for miracles. There is something spiritual about poverty that can't be sorted out only by cash, economics, medicines or government structures. Surely despair is an integral part of poverty and the only lasting antidote to despair is the hope that the living Christ can bring. Jesus knew poverty. He was conceived out of wedlock. He fled persecution as a refugee to Egypt. He lived in an oppressed land as part of an oppressed people at the hands of the colonizing Romans. Jesus experienced hunger and homelessness and was discriminated against by both Romans and Jews because he was from Nazareth. He was tortured, falsely tried and murdered. Yet Jesus lived out God's heart for the poor. He was there when demons were cast out, when healing and when miracles took place. He fed the hungry and ate with outcasts. Jesus prayed for God's reign, God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a liberating force like no other for those who face poverty. It turns upside down the priorities of the of the authorities and power of this world. The last are first and the first are last. 
Jesus is the hope of shalom, of peace, harmony, and wholeness, the ultimate revelation of what God intends. But Jesus also warned of the final day when the sheep's Sheep and the goats will be separated according to how they treated the least of these. How we respond or don't respond to the least of these, the sick, the homeless, the hungry, the jailed, those in poverty of all sorts, is the litmus test of where we place our faith. Is our faith and trust in Jesus and the authority of his reign, or is it in the world's power? We are the disciples of the here and now, charged with the mandate to go and continue preaching good news to the poor and proclaiming freedom to the prisoner, healing the sick and releasing people from oppression, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to recognise the image of God in the other, not judging but showing love, compassion, grace and mercy. We can pray for miracles. We can act for justice. We will continue to feed the hungry from this place and offer a place of safety, comfort, and friendship. We will allow autonomy and big dignity to those seeking our assistance, ensuring that our help is not hurtful. Hurtful by being judgmental. Hurtful by perpetuating the cycle of poverty by creating an unhealthy dependence on assistance or not allowing people to stand on their own two feet. And I confess I struggle with this one sometimes. Yes, we need to feed and assist the poor, but at times it, it does not seem enough. I struggle with how we can bring more healing and wholeness and independence to those we serve. I guess the answer to some extent is that in all we do, we need to be working towards seeing people restored to being what God created them to be. People who understand that they are created in the image of God with the gifts, abilities and capacity to make decisions and to affect change in the world around them and people who steward their lives, communities, resources, and relationships in order to bring glory to God. As author Shane Claiborne describes, God is in the business of rescuing people from the hells they experience on earth, and God is asking us to love people out of these hells. God is asking us to taste the salt in the tears of the broken, to hunger for justice with the starving masses of our world, to groan with all creation in the birth pains of the kingdom of God. God is asking us to make poverty personal. I particularly want to invite us as Enfield and Encounter to work together in this space to make poverty personal. The needs of our community are immense and I'm hoping and praying we can create ways of ministering together, building on a strong foundation of service and mission that has existed in this place for many years and listening to how God through the Spirit is moving us to minister further and more broadly. It could be as little as bringing a can of food each week as you are able to help us with our budgetary issues, but it is more than that. 
It could be praying for God's rain to break through. It could be volunteering with us on Tuesdays. It could be developing a vision for something we haven't even thought of yet. So let's together bring the hope of Jesus to this community and beyond. May God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven.